Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Best Western made booking our family beach vacation a breeze, and it felt a little like... (laughs) Time to go. Okay, kids, back in the room. Good night. Life's a trip. Make the most of it at Best Western. Longest Shortest Time is brought to you by Invitae. Your genes can tell you if you're 12% French or 6% Italian. They can also tell you a lot about your future health. When you take an Invitae genetic test, they search for meaningful health information, like whether you're at an increased risk for inherited cancer or heart disease. Based on your results, you may be able to take steps to potentially lower that risk. Learn more by visiting Invitae.com. That's I-N-V-I-T-A-E.com. I was a nervous wreck. I was a worrywart. I was knocking on wood everywhere. I was I was scared for my kid. I said, I think it's happening. I think that I might be going into labor. And I cried a little bit because all of a sudden it was all very real. And Tim like leaped out of bed and was like, let's do this. I'm starting to pack your go bag right now because as you recall, the go bag was not packed <laughs> um, from the last episode. That's right. If you'll recall, in our last I've Got News episode, Ellen and her boyfriend Tim were 13 days away from their baby's due date, and the go bag was not yet packed. If you haven't heard the other episodes in this series about Ellen, who dropped out of college when she discovered she was pregnant, you can find them at our website, longestshortesttime.com. I'm Hillary Frank. This is The Longest Shortest Time. And speaking of long times, it's been over two months since I filled you in on Ellen and Tim. And that's because there have been a lot of exciting things going on behind the scenes here. More on that soon. But to catch you up on Ellen, the baby is here. She was born on May 19th at 8 pounds, 14 ounces. Everyone is healthy. And today you'll get to hear the story of that birth and we'll conclude our I've Got News series, which actually began with Ellen being born, um, as told by her father, Tom. Tom's now a grandfather at the tender age of 47. And as you heard in that first episode with Tom, his experience with childbirth 22 years ago was pretty nerve-wracking. And as Ellen's due date approached, he got more and more nervous. We're raising backyard chickens now. My wife is one of what we are. I think this is um, kind of like a a little bit of a coping mechanism, you know. (laughs) Especially for Heidi, it was kind of like it was kind of like a dude. I got to do something. We're doing something, you know. We've had to let go of so much control over so many things over these last several years. So you will control the chickens. Right. So, so there will be chickens. And so I'm, I'm building this hen house, and I'm actually up on top of the hen house putting on asphalt shingle. 
and I get a call from Ellen. And I like nervously picked it up and she was crying and scared and said, hi, Papa. And I said, and I said, hi, baby, what's going on? She said, I think your grandchild is coming. And she was kind of crying through it. Um, and that was no help for my anxiety either because Ellen sounded scared. The labor went pretty much how you expect these things to go. There was pain, lots and lots of pain, lots of pacing around a tiny room to ease that pain, um, lots of getting in funny positions, delays at the hospital in getting an epidural. All the while, Tim is texting Ellen's parents with updates on the labor. Heidi actually went in that night and just said a very quick hello, just in and out of the hospital room. And interestingly, I didn't want to go. I don't know why. I don't know what that was. I'm still unpacking that. But I was just fine being at home and waiting it out. Um, what, do you, what do you think that was about? I don't know. I don't know. Um, probably a combination of things. I'm, I'm determined for this to be Ellen and Tim's adventure uh, and to not, not be overly present. And then the other part of it was just probably uh, going through childbirth as a prospective husband and going through childbirth as a prospective grandfather, for me, were entirely different experiences. With Hyde, it was just like this big adventure that we were on together. And we were scared, and it, but it was us, you know, and we were bulletproof, and we were young, and we didn't know any better, and it was awesome. But watching your kid go through this um, and being a loving father, uh, it was just petrifying for me. And from 2 to about 6.30, I didn't progress at all. I just, like, sat there at 9 centimeters. And we got one text from Tim in the middle of the night saying, almost fully dilated. They put me on a small dose of Pitocin just to augment it. They don't even call it inducing at that point. They just call it augmenting the labor. And then it was a one-word text that said, pushing. We, like, jumped into the car and started driving to the hospital. And um, that was at about 6.30, and Fiona was born 7.53. Fiona, so that's the name. Yes, the name is Fiona Jane Tillman. So we, we said we had two names lined up. I think that we didn't want to commit fully to a name and, like, jinx it or something. And so they took her, delivered her, put her on my chest. Tim and I were both crying. And we, like, looked at her face and we said, no, I think that she's Fiona. So, um... So, yeah, that's how she told us that that was her name. She pooped on me. That was the first thing she did. <laughs> that's how you knew. <laughs> yes, that's how I knew that my daughter would be named Fiona. She took, took a giant poop on my chest. And then I nursed for the first time. And that was a really cool experience because I pulled out my boob and my nipple was there. And she smelled, like, smelled the milk, immediately turned towards it and just opened her mouth and started wow. like, rooting or whatever. And then, so I, for me, it was... It was just kind of like, all right, well, I have no idea what I'm doing, but she does, and I guess my body does, so I'll just go along with it. And as soon as I had that picture in my head, all of the anxiety just melted away. It just, everything went away. 
at one point, um, I had her on the boob for, I think, an hour and 45 minutes straight, like just alternating between the two of them, because as soon as she unlatched, she started wailing, screaming. Um, and both nights that we were there, Tim came home briefly to our apartment here in media to clean up and make sure that everything was like, all right for our arrival back home. So he would be gone for a few hours every night. And those few hours, it was like she could sense when there was no one else in the room with us and would just start screaming and crying. So, um, both nights that I was in the hospital, a nurse came in and said, I called the nurse the second night, but the first night the nurse came in and said, I've been hearing her crying for a while. Are you guys okay in here? I was like, I'm a terrible mother. Like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. She won't stop crying. And she hates to be swaddled too. Hates it. So the nurse is like, well, here, let me try to swaddle her. And she like starts kicking out of it with her arms and legs and screaming. And I said, I can't, I can't keep her swaddled. Isn't she supposed to like to be swaddled? And like, I'm just so tired. And is she not getting enough to eat? And I said, I feel like such a failure. You know, it's like 3.30 in the morning at this point. And I said, I feel like such a failure. I, like, I feel like I'm not doing this right. And the nurse said, let me just take her to the nursery. You stay here. Get, like, a few hours of sleep. I'll bring her back when she needs to eat. Well, you know, what's interesting about what you just told me is that, you know, childbirth is never an easy thing. But, you know, I had um, a really rough one. And I've talked to, through this podcast, I've talked to a lot of people who have had even rougher ones than me. And um, so you, it seems to me, have had one that's like almost sort of textbook, like what they describe in the classes is what is supposed to happen. Yep. And even, and so like a lot of the ones I've talked to who have had really, really rough childbirths, like we wind up feeling like a failure. But it's interesting to me to hear that even kind of like textbook childbirth mom can feel that way as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, it's really easy to not to feel like a failure <laughs> with an infant, I think. Then you get then you get better at it. <laughs> do, you, do you feel like you have? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I it's uh, newborns are more like creatures than people. <laughs> in my opinion, they don't really like have personalities or anything yet. Um, they just kind of eat and sleep and poop as everyone who listens to this podcast is pretty well aware I'm pretty sure um but now that we're almost at four weeks of life I feel like I'm like connecting with her as like a person like she's not just this thing that I have to feed and then hold and then put down how so how how are you connecting oh um hold on sorry I'm I just realized that the baby monitor was on and making noise in the background so um so we're connecting in a way that we hadn't in those first two weeks in that um, she's getting to the point where she'll be awake, but not crying but and not eating. But um, there have been two or three times that have been really like, I felt like she was staring into the depths of my soul. It was crazy. You know, we're just sitting there and I'm like, I've got one hand behind her head and we're just looking at each other and She's just, I feel like she's just staring right at my face and it's really, it's a really cool thing. Like the first time I cried, I, I cry, I cry. I've been crying a little bit (laughs) (laughs) and it has nothing to do with being sad. It has everything to do with like, what are my hormones doing right now? I'm so tired and I just cry randomly at things. Um, she's growing well physically. 
um, gained a pound in a week last week. And that was like, that was such a like, yes, score moment for me because her two week checkup, she had not quite gained back her birth weight, which is not ideal. So they wanted her to come in for a three week, just a weight check. You can ask my dad about it. Actually, he was at the pediatrician. He went to the pediatrician with me. So we get back into the exam room and Fiona had these little booties on that had, I don't know, golf balls or golf clubs or something. And the nurse practitioner, um, was looking at the booties and said, oh, is daddy into golf and you must have bought these for her or something like that and turned and looked at me. And, and Ellen and I looked at each other and just started laughing. And I was like, no, no, no. I'm not her dad. I'm her dad. <laughs> <laughs> so this is my grandchild, right? And then, um, and then, we went out to Starbucks afterwards, and exactly the same thing happened. I just have uh, it, it's it's fine. I have a little bit of a baby face, um, and I cut my hair really short, so you can't see a lot of the gray. So anyway, we go to Starbucks. We were standing in line. And these two women who are maybe in their early fifties, I'd say, or mid fifties. So they're they're older than me, but their kids are younger than mine, right? started cooing over her and said how old is she and I said just like just over two weeks and they said oh yeah we could tell she was a young one and then started spouting off kind of what I hear from everyone now which is you know oh it's the best ride of your life oh it's such a blessing and it's wonderful and and then they start talking to both of us I'm trying to remember exactly what they said and they said it just keeps getting better it just keeps getting better and my dad sort of flippantly replied, yeah, until it's not so good anymore. <laughs> and they kind of looked at me and they went, huh? And this one, and this one woman said, no, 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 trust me. It just keeps getting better. I have a 13 year old and a nine year old and it's wonderful. And I was like, okay, all right, that's fine. They thought I was the father. Ew. Ew, gross. Ew, ew. You don't understand. Like, all of my life, like, high school, middle school, field hockey. Ellen, is that your dad? Oh, my gosh. He's kind of cute, isn't he? And I'm like, oh, no, no. So it was just like a new level for people to think that he's the father of my child. I want to ask you one more big question. Um, do you feel like more of an adult now since you've had a baby or do you still feel like you're playing a game? <laughs> um, I've never had anything in my life that really kept me from just doing whatever I wanted. Honestly, like I had my conscience that kept me from doing what I wanted or um, my parents rules or the you know, my class schedule at school. But even that, you know, I would, I would skip classes in college or I would sneak off in the middle of the night when I lived at home. And that is pretty much completely eliminated from my life. That sense of, oh, I can do anything that I want at any time. Nothing's really holding me back. I don't see it as her, her holding me back. Um, but that sense of um, spontaneity and like, and like possibility, I guess, is kind of gone. And this sounds so negative, but I don't see it as negative at all. <laughs> like, I'm I'm really, really happy with her being here at home. And I fall more and more in love with her all the time. So it 
doesn't matter to me that things are just different. Yeah, they're just different. Do you think you'll ever get that back? Oh, definitely. Tim and I talk about it all the time. I mean, (laughs) this is one of the fun things about being a young parent. She'll be like three and we'll still only be like 25 or 26. (laughs) And we still like, we're still going to be in our twenties and whatever. And she can go at that point and spend the night somewhere and we can have go and get drunk. I don't know. (laughs) But this, this sounds, this sounds terrible. I'm really tired. Alan's rocking this out. I think they both are Hillary. Um, that's one of the things that's been so, so surprising to me because part of my anxiety was, you know, I don't, it's not like I doubt my kid. It's not like I, I, I think you're going to be a bad mother or anything. Quite the opposite. I think, I think the world of her. Um, but that doesn't mean that you expect it to go as well as it's gone. Um, this is one of the things that I've thought about too. I mean, you think about um, people in our day and age having kids later and later and later in their life and you know I, I was a relatively young parent when were you when you how old were you when you had Sasha I was 33 yeah and that's you know much more typical these days and and pushing into your late 30s and 40s is not atypical these days it's not by accident that I think biologically we're supposed to be having kids when Ellen was having kids um, she's just there's real advantages to being that young and, and to being that naive and to being that just full of energy. And um, I, I would think that I would want to have had my child graduate from college on time and be prepared to enter the world a little bit more effectively, professionally, you know, whatever than she is right now. But I've never seen her happier. I've just never seen her happier. I have felt um, strangely envious of her. <laughs> God, isn't it's that so weird? wild, isn't it? Like, yeah, because I think about my 20s. And I think about, like, I felt pretty lost during that decade. And and I think that she would be exactly there if she and Tim didn't have this to latch on to and, and make the centerpiece of the world that they're trying to build for themselves. Fiona is now three months old. She's starting to laugh and roll onto her side. Ellen started back at work this week part-time as a patient services representative at a children's hospital. She'll be working the graveyard shift for now so that Tim will be home to look after Fiona and they won't need childcare. This concludes our I've Got News series and also season one of The Longest Shortest Time. Our next episode will air on September 16th, and there will be a big announcement on that episode, um, the announcement that I've been hyping for the last few weeks. Um, I'll be explaining all of this big news on the blog a week before that, on September 9th. On that day, we'll be launching a very, very cool story-sharing tool for new parents. Um, I'm sitting here right now surrounded by boxes, just tons and tons of boxes, and I've been sorting and organizing the contents of those boxes, um, getting ready to send um, this stuff out to people like you. So make sure that you're following us on Facebook and Twitter. We now also have a newsletter. Sign up for all three at longestshortesttime.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Hillary Frank. And as always, if you have a story of a surprising struggle in early parenthood that you'd like me to consider for this podcast, go to longestshortesttime.com and click contact.
I'm standing outside Smithsonian's National Museum of American History. Inside, there are like a trillion objects, and I have to go in there and find 10. So we open a drawer here, and there's Indiana Jones's jacket and Indiana Jones's whip. What is this? Now Prince donated it, this guitar. <gasps> I'm Asif Manvi, and I am lost at the Smithsonian. Where do I begin? This place is obviously full of fascinating stuff. Fonzie's jacket right. worn by Henry Winkler on Happy Days. There are 156 million objects in the Smithsonian's collections. Here are Muppets. These aren't just objects. They're pieces of America's self-identity. I'm looking at a, a robe with the name Muhammad Ali. Only 10 episodes, only 10 objects. That's pretty amazing. Lost of the Smithsonian is out now. Subscribe now in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Best Western made booking our family beach vacation a breeze. And it felt a little like... <laughs> <laughs> Time to go. Okay, kids, back in the room. Good night. Life's a trip. Make the most of it at Best Western.